you can turn to Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bible. We are going to be in the last verse there, and then in some of chapter 6. So, Galatians chapter 5. My sweet Dan's voice, it's improved today. Yesterday was really bad. He's like, Who's going to speak in the edge? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Anyway, I've had some interesting thoughts lately. And um, it started when we watched a movie called Bang, Bang, You're Dead. Anyone ever seen that movie? You're like, no, don't really want to see that movie. It's a really interesting movie that I don't know. How did you hear about it? People? Ooh, where's Kaylee? From your mom. Where are you, Kaylee? It's from your mama. Oh, from your your grandpa. Isn't that unusual? Anyway, um, yeah, Bang Bang, You're Dead. And it's a movie, it was a movie simply put about bullying. It was very interesting. But it made me really sad because I'm like, how can anyone treat someone like that? I just don't get it. And then... Um, in the news this past week, there was a story about an eight-year-old who hung himself in his room because he was bullied. And there's a video clip, sadly, of him being knocked out, and he's on the ground for eight minutes at his school, and people walk over him. Some people kick him. They just kick his leg. Some people are like, and they just keep walking for eight minutes. And they, you know, it's in, on fast forward, and I'm like, how on earth does that happen? And um, it just floored me. But then, last um, on Monday, we were at a self-defense class. And I have some pictures. Yeah! <laughs> Mr. Patrick and Clay, we learned how to, they learned how to get out of some chokeholds, right? What's the next picture? Um, oh, who is that? Is that Seamus? Well, lest you think Seamus was mistreated, there you go, right? <laughs> Now he, so he teach it, he taught him how to get out of a chokehold and all this stuff. And like, this dude is ginormous. I was like, Hey, you want to lead a self-defense class for us? You know, that kind of thing. And so we started talking at the end of the class. I didn't get to stay the whole time, sadly. And I planned it so I could do it. I want to know how to break out of a chokehold. Never really been choked, but I've been mugged. And I thought it would have been helpful. Um, anyway. And so I was talking about like, this would be really good. You know, if your brother's picking on you, you get out of a chokehold or, um, if you get bullied at school, and he looked at me and he said, that is exactly why I do this. Because when I was starting into middle school, I got bullied. And I'm like, you got, you're ginormous. Um, but of course, he wasn't ginormous in middle school. I mean, Leon was ginormous in middle school, but <laughs> this guy was. <laughs> and I looked at this guy, and I was like, that is so sad. And he said, yeah. And, he, and then he started, it wasn't Taekwondo, but he started some martial arts. And then here he, I mean, in the Netherlands, he was like training, like police officers to use their weapons. I'm like, parkour, parkour. Um, so I started thinking about that. And I started, I just, I, like, and I'm sure you're like, most of you are probably like me. Like, you can't even fathom how someone could mistreat someone to such a degree that they want to be, they want to kill themselves or, or to repetitively mistreat someone. And I'll say this, I don't know if any of you have been bullied, um, and I'm sorry if you have, but it just makes me so mad. And then I had this thought, I would never do that. Sounds a little self-righteous, right? I think it does. So that's one thing I was thinking about, and I'm going to come back to that. 
my self-righteous thing I had to repent of. But then on the other side, on the, so, so here you have people who purposely feel they're superior to someone and they feel like they're entitled to treat them whichever way you want, whether it's bullying or ethnic cleansing or whatever. So this superiority thing, and they just have this, like this, they can treat people this way. But then on the other hand, I was just thinking, you know, when Caitlin was little, I was pushing her on a swing, and I asked her if I could feel this. And I said, Caitlin, do you know that God loves you? She goes, I know. I'm like, great, that was easy. And I'm like, you're so beautiful. She's like, I know. And she's just swinging. And I'm going, this is great. And I, I talked to one of my friends. This was a long time ago. I'm like, when does that stop? Mom, like, when does that stop? When our little girls believe they're princesses and they know they're princesses and then all of a sudden, you know, the boys, they look in the mirror and they're like, yeah, look at that, huh? And then girls are like, oh, gross, my nose and my hair is never, am I right, you know? Boys might feel like that too, but for the most part, girls are all insecure and they're like, I'm never going to measure up. So on the one hand, you have this superiority stuff going on. On the other hand, you know, girls and boys, eventually that you get to this point where you just feel like you don't measure up, where you just feel like lower than everybody and you just, it's just a sad place to be. So you've got these two opposites, right? Superiority, inferiority. But are they opposites? Good question. I, I've been thinking about this. I was doing a Bible study through the book of Galatians, and, and I was like, God, do you address this? Like, do you address bullying? Do you address, like, I just am so ugly? Do you address that? And through this Bible study, I saw that he did. And I hope that this will encourage you because it, first of all, revealed a little bit about me because as I'm like going, I would never do that, I'm realizing I'm being a little superior. Bully, I'm not going to be like you. Isn't that a little superior in, in words? Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, I've always placed myself on this side. I'm not tall enough. My youngest kid doesn't sit still when everyone else's kids sit still. I can't do stuff right. No one likes my cooking in my house because I alter things for their benefit and they don't appreciate it. And it's all like, I, what is this? You know what I mean? So I've always kind of put myself in this like, woe is me category, this inferior category, thinking that it was kind of Christian-like, like to be humble, right? Yeah, like everyone's like, be humble. You're like, yeah, I'm humble. Like, this is terrible. So these seeming the opposites, what does God say about it? I want to look at a piece of scripture that has changed my life. And the truth be told, the gospel changes everything. The gospel, when you believe the word of God, it should change the way you do everything and see everything. That's why Bible study is so important. And then you see it and you're like, wow. So Galatians chapter 5, I want to give you... Um, a really quick background to this because it's important. So, I mean, this is going to be really quick. So, um, Paul wrote this book, and he's writing to a bunch of people who are Christians, and then another set of people become Christians. So, these are Jewish Christians, and they come in, and they're like, hey, we're Christians too, and they're like, oh, that is wonderful. I'm so glad you're a Christian, but now you also need to be circumcised. Right there, I'd be like, oh, no, no, no need to be a Christian. I, you know, if I was a guy, I would just walk the other way. Or, or, oh, you need to also follow our laws. Oh, you need to also be like us. And Paul is saying, wait, no. In fact, he says, who is distorting this gospel? That is wrong. It is not Jesus Christ died on the cross and saved you. 
and also, and you need to have faith in that, and also you need to do these things. No, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you. That's the gospel. That's what saves you. It is by faith alone. It is boasting the cross of Christ. He mentions that several times. That is what saves you. So he's addressing this theological issue on one hand. So because of this issue, there's some social inequality. There's a little bit of disunity. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, bickering and like, well, you said, and then, well, I, and so there's this people, there's this superior like, well, you didn't do this. And there's this like, well, what do I have to do? So it's going back and forth. And Paul wraps up the book of Galatians by, I think, addressing these two issues in the form of how do you deal with this superiority issue? How do you deal with this inferiority issue? And I'm going to tell you, most of us probably think that we're over here in this feeling, you know, bad about ourselves. But I think we waffle between the two, like, without even sometimes without even realizing it. So let's look in Galatians chapter 5, verse, um, verse 26. And before I do, just put your finger on it. Be prepared. Um, I'm just going to uh, pray really quick. Lord, I thank you for your word and how it has changed me. And I pray right now that I will speak not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of your spirit's power. Because more than anything, I want your word to, to take root and to change hearts and to bring people out of the pit where they feel like they're not good enough. And maybe bring people down out of the ledge where they feel like, I don't need God. What does the gospel say about those mentalities? God, you've changed me through this study, and I pray that you will use these words to change every heart in here. So when we go to school tomorrow or live our days tomorrow, we can live in such a way that we honor you and that people are loved, that we feel loved, and that our days are different. So God, I pray that your word will resonate and that it will accomplish its purposes and that we will not be prideful to ignore it, but that we will receive it with grace and mercy. And I pray this in your name, amen. This is gonna be a little weird because I'm not a scholar like my band. And so I don't have like point A, B, and C that start with the same letter or anything like that. But um, anyway, I'm just gonna kind of talk through this. We're mainly gonna camp out on one verse, but then I'm gonna kind of add some other things with the other verses. So verse 26, my sweetheart, could you get me my watch please? I'm so touched. Okay. Verse 26. I totally missed that. Okay. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. If you have to flip back, I have to flip back. Look at verse 26. So here Paul is trying to remind, um, trying to address this issue of this social division um, that's really caused by a theological issue. So he's, he's addressing this. And I want you to look at verse 26. We're going to kind of take this verse apart. And, um, and I hope that you see this the way I feel like it just changed me. It says, let us not become conceited. Can someone tell me what the word conceited means? What? Full of themselves. What's another way you could say that? Narcissistic? What's the Self-centered? Hockey? 
prideful, very good. Yes, that's exactly right. But you know what's interesting is this actual word is actually better translated instead of conceited. It's actually better translated by an antiquated word called vainglorious. Doesn't really fit well in our vocabulary these days. You are vainglorious. Like, uh, what does that mean? And vainglorious, really what it means is empty of glory, empty of honor. And what that means is it's someone who feels they are, they are lacking glory and attention and honor. So they want recognition. They want to prove themselves. They want people to notice them. And they want to be heard. So conceited. It's all about who? Not me, but who? if you're conceited, you're all about who? Yourself. So if you're conceited, you're all about yourself. And then look what it says. So he's warning these people who are bickering, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is where it's helpful to dig a little deeper, and I want you to understand something. This word provoking actually means to challenge to a contest. It's someone who wants to win, I guess. They want to come out on top. They want to be the best. They want to prove their worth and honor. So you have this person here. I'm better than you, and I will win, and I will get my way, and I don't care what you think, and I will stomp on you, and I'm going to bully you, whether it's verbally, abuse, whatever, it doesn't matter. So they have this air of superiority. It's really a stance of someone looking down because they, by golly, are going to be on top. Is that self-centered? Yes. Let us not become conceited, vainglorious, provoking one another, envying one another. What does it mean to envy? To be jealous of someone else. Yeah. Envying is you have the stance of one who looks up. Oh, I'll never be like them. Oh, look what they have. Oh, I really, really, really wish I looked like that. Oh, that's not fair. Their life is so much better than mine. So you have two stances here. We call it superiority, inferiority. The Bible's calling it being provoking, being envying. One is looking down. One is looking up. But what do they both have in common? They both want something. And they're both focused on themselves. Whether you are here looking down or whether you are looking up, you're fixated on yourself. You are the type of person that comes into a room, and I've said this before from up here, when you come into a room, you are not at, there you are, how are you? That is not you. You walk into a room, if you're over here, here I am. What girl am I going to get today, tonight? Ooh, I don't like that boy. You've got this air superiority. You want to win. You want to be on top. You want to be the best. But then down here, oh, no one's going to like me. What if I don't fit in? It's still just thinking about who? Yourself. So what we see as being opposites, are they opposites? In a way, but the root is the same thing, which is what? Self-centeredness. C.S. Lewis, I love how God teaches you things, even when you're, even through movies and stuff. I'm like, God, that is good. This isn't through a movie, but C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Oh, yeah, yeah, 
you got to think, I wrote that on my phone. And then I saw another sign in Georgia somewhere where it said, it is nice to be important, but it is more important to be nice. Put those in your essays and your English teachers will love you. I'm like, yes, it is nice to be important, but it is more important to be nice. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. I'll never be able to do it. I don't measure up. It is thinking of yourself less. So what does the gospel do with this? The gospel allows us to be in the middle. And I'm going to tell you something. We are constantly having, I constantly have to preach to myself. Because depending on my circumstances and my situation, situationally then, I have to remind myself of a few things. When I'm over here going, Zoe, Zoe, I would never do that. You know what I have to remind myself of? I am a sinner with great intentions, the same intentions they could have. I'm an adult, so you'd think I'd rein it in a little bit, but you know what I mean? So to defeat these two opposite, these extremes, as a Christian, we have to ground ourselves in the word of God. We have to ground on ourselves in who God is, who we are in light of who God is. <laughs> I love it. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, He's talking about prayer, and he says, you who are evil, do you know how to give good gifts? I was like, what? We're evil? That's the first half of the gospel. We are evil. We are sinful. For those of you who think, I'm not evil, well, all you have to do is be a parent of a one-year-old for a minute to realize, oh, my gosh, what is this evilness? I never, ever taught them this. And then they go to two, and you're like, this is like the spawn of Satan. I, I don't even know what this is because they're just mean. They, they hit. They they do all this stuff, and you never, ever once do you teach them that. Not once. We are naturally, we just have this sinfulness inside us because of what happened in the, in the Garden of Eden in the Bible. But when I have this attitude of superiority, I would never bully. I need to say to myself, you know what? I'm just as much of a sinner as a bully. I'm just as much of a sinner as one being bullied. I'm just as much of a sinner as one on death row. Our sins might be different, but I am just as much of a sinner. And can I, can I say one thing, too? Side note. Many people, one of the biggest objections to Christianity is that because Christians who believe the Bible, which I am a Christian and I completely believe the Bible, we have an air of superiority because we believe in absolute truth, because we believe this is true, and this is the way to heaven and no, no other thing is. And so some people say they have a huge objection to Christianity because they say when someone claims to have the truth and to be right, they, they're on a power trip. They're going to oppress people. And you, you might be surprised to, to know I agree with them 100%. And that's been done through history. People have used Christianity. People have used other things. This is the truth, and they have suppressed people. They have oppressed people. You've seen it, you know, in Hitler. You've seen it in the Crusades. You've seen it all throughout history. But can I tell you something? When at the root of your absolute, and someone has to be true. Something has to be true. I'm just saying. We can't all say no one has truth. Something has to be true. That's a whole different sermon for another time. But when at the heart of your absolute truth is the man, Jesus Christ, who died for other people and who tells us to die for other people too and sacrifice ourselves so others can have love and hope, you're not, you're not, you can't be superior. Because what you start with is, I'm evil. 
there is no way I can look down on people because I'm just right where they are. But on the other hand, when you're over here and you have this, this envy and you're looking up and you just can't measure up because you can't do anything right all the time and you just, that's me. Just remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Like God has made me. He has made me a mother of five children. A couple of them are tough. Noah, no, I'm just kidding. He's like the easiest one. He ain't getting blown up. Uh, but he's made me this way. Do I do everything great? No. Do I mess up all the time? Yes. But God has put me in this position, and he has, he has put you where you are for a reason. He has, if you are a Christian, you have been forgiven. You've been given hope. You've been given love. You've been given peace. You've been given a second chance. And wow, when you're standing in between these two attitudes and you remember who you are in Christ, it's very difficult but again, when I say it's difficult, I still am daily reminding myself. I have to preach to myself all the time. Preach it, sister. That's me all the time. Or I'm singing to myself. Because sometimes when you sing to yourself, it just helps, you know, right? And so, so with that said, the, the, the gospel, I love this. I want to read this to you real quick because he says it so much better than I. <clears throat> I love this. He says, the gospel creates a new self-image. Instead of being like, or instead of being like, over here, you know, it says, um, it humbles me before anyone, telling me I'm a sinner saved only by grace. But it also emboldens me dun, 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 before anyone telling me I am loved and honored by the only eyes that really count. So the gospel gives me a boldness and a humility that simultaneously coexist. And when that happens, when we live our lives here, we're other-centered. We walk into a room and instead of saying, here I am, or here I am, we go, oh, there you are. How are you today? It's not, life isn't about us. We're not conceited. Life isn't about us. And then when we're at that point where we're other-centered, boy, life changes. It's messy, but it changes. And then we start to serve. We start to see God at work. We start to join him where he is. We start to not feel sorry for ourselves. We start not to be prideful. But we're, we just can serve and live and give and love wholeheartedly because we know who we are in Christ. We know who we are in light of Christ. And because of that, we can give. So look at the next verses really quick. I promise, I told you, this one we're going to stay on the longest. I want to just bring out a couple things. Brothers, so with that said, he's saying, okay, so here you are, people who are bickering. Well, you keep in mind, don't be conceited, because it's all about yourself. It's all about yourself. And he says, so brothers, get off yourself. If anyone is caught in any transgression, a sin, so if you see someone sinning, uh, and when I say that, habitually sinning, you know, when, when you see them, just they, they're, not, they're not stopping, and you're like, you know this is wrong. So that's that habitual sin. I mean, like if someone steals for the first time, you want to say something. I'm not saying that, but you know. So who are spiritual should, uh, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Do you know what that word gentle means? It's a term used for setting a dislocated bone back into place. Anybody ever have a dislocated bone? Caitlin used to get Nurse May's elbows where her elbow would dislocate. She would scream, like, what's wrong? And then the doctor would make one little move that was painful, but it was quick, and she he would restore the, the elbow back to its place. Dan and I tried to learn it so we didn't have to take her to the ER because it happened a little frequently. I think we got, did we do it a couple?
stand in it. Yes. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to break her arm. We did it together. It's painful. She would scream. She would scream. But here it says restore him in a spirit of gentleness. When you see someone who's habitually sinning, a friend, someone, you have to be brave enough, other-centered enough. If you're over here wallowing in your, but if, or if you're over here going, well, I would never do that, you're not going to be there other-centered to say, hey, what you're doing, it's not right. And you have to be able to give instruction, but on the other hand, you have to be able to receive instruction. When someone confronts you with sin, how do you act? How do you receive it? And it goes further. Look at this. I love this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So he's just saying, hey, if you see someone in sin, you need to say something gently. Gently. You're putting that dislocated bone back. Does it bring pain? Yes. But is it necessary? Yes. But you are to bear another's burden. Let me ask you this. If I picked up a table and I said, Seamus, help me with the table. Could he help me from over there? No. Maybe he could be a good supervisor. Where would he have to be to help me carry a table? Bingo. That's this picture here. When you're other-centered, when you're not dealing with his superiority, with his inferiority, when you're other-centered because your, your mind is off yourself, and you can, you can help your friends, love your, you bear each other's burdens. And sometimes you have to get close to people to do that. And it's messy. And it can hurt. You can be rejected. You can offer truth to someone, and they can hate you. You can cry and pray for someone, and they don't ever talk to you again. And sometimes it makes you want to quit. It makes you go, I'm just going to move to Utah with my sister and go live in a log cabin somewhere. It makes you want to quit. And then you realize, but it's not about me. The gospel makes it so when we live our lives, we live this other-centered life. One more thing. For if anyone thinks he is something, verse 3, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is basically saying, don't, I'm, I'm not going to go into all this, don't compare yourselves to other people. But let each one test his own worth, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Um, what he's saying is to be confident in who you are in Christ, but, but you have to study the words for that. For each will have to bear his own load. This seems contradictory because in verse uh, 2 it says bear one another's burdens. And in verse 5 it says bear your own load. They're two different words. Bear your own load means to carry this huge weight where you have to come along someone and said, I got gotcha. you. I'm carrying this with you. You're sacrificing to help. You're giving some of yourself to help. But this word load refers to a little backpack. And it's kind of like your life. Bear your own load, your situation, your circumstances, what God has given you, you bear it well. You don't compare your load to another. If some of you came sometimes to my house to see what Caitlin and Noah put up with throughout the day, y'all be like, whoa. You know what? You don't compare. God's, God's, God's put them there for a reason. You've got this little load God's given you. And when you're other-centered, you take that load you go, you know what, God, I'm going to make the, I'm going to do, be, I'm going to honor you with whatever you've given me. Wherever you've placed me, I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to love people. And I'm going to make it about people. And I'm going to serve. 
I haven't looked at my notes much. Hold on, I need that. I'm almost done, I promise. <clears throat> I, I, w I just want to end with a few questions. Um, a gospel-centered self-image will change, should change, <laughs> how you relate to people. That's what Paul is trying to say. This is going to change how you deal with people. It's going to change how you love people. It's not going to be all about you and that conceited, self-centered you, but you're going to look out for people. So here's my question. Do you need to have that boldness? God emboldens us when we feel inferior, when we're looking up and we don't feel like we measure up. Do you need a little dose of boldness to say, I know who I am in Christ, and I need to just live like it and be bold and love people? Maybe you're here tonight and you just need a little dose of boldness. Maybe you're here tonight and you're over here in a superior and you just have a little bit of pride. You are unwilling to receive instruction and truth. You are unwilling to hear what people are telling you. You are unwilling to even hear what the Bible says. You're unwilling to give it a chance. You kind of cut it off beforehand. But maybe, maybe you need a little bit of humility. Maybe that's something you need to pray and ask God to help you with. doesn't mean you think less of yourself. You are still beautiful and wonderful. And think of yourself a little less and say, what does God want me to get through this? Maybe you need to... Um, Receive instruction. I just mentioned that, but I want to mention that again. And then, how many more weeks of school? One. You have one more week. Some of you will be gone forever. Some of your friends will be gone forever. You have one week left. Wherever you, wherever, whatever little patch where God's placed you in your situation, you have one year, le one week left. What are you going to do your last week of school? How are you going to relate to the people around you? Let's try to be that person tomorrow when we go to school, or like, you know, when I wake up, to, to be other-centered. And I hope that you think about these two seemingly opposites, but not really because they stem from the same thing that I've talked about. And I hope that it emboldens you at school. If you see someone being mistreated or bullied, that you'll say, no, that's not right. Stand up for them. Or if you see someone passed out for eight minutes, like, do something about it. Do something about it. That poor baby. I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But then over here, are you staying other-centered? And when I, you know, like I said before in the beginning, I've always kind of seen myself as being someone who's like just, Dan, Dan tells me, you never receive the compliments well, because he'll say, that was a good meal, and I'm like, but you hate all my other meals. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. He's like, well, you just accept the compliments, and girls, we are really bad about this, right? Now, we don't want it to turn into pride, but we want to receive, we, we can receive it, right? We can know who we are in Christ. Not that cooking has anything to do with it, but you know what I mean. So I want to pray right now and ask that God will give us this perspective this gospel self-image over the next week. Like I said, I don't have any points. I hope it's not too confusing. So I'm going to ask that, that this week, if, if anything, just kind of think about the provoking and the envying. Think about being that there you are when you walk into a room kind of person instead of here I am, and just see what it does. And let me again emphasize that could be a little messy because people are messy. I'm messy. I have all these emotions, and so do you. But Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for us. 
right? And if you're here tonight and you want to know more about the gospel, I've mentioned it several times, and I mentioned that the very first half of the gospel is that we are evil. Well, the second half of that gospel is, you know what? We are evil, but God gave us a way to be made right with God. He did, and it's beautiful. So my Dan is back there. Mr. Greg's back there. Mr. Rich is back there. Lots of ladies are back there. If you need it, I'm right here. Um, if you want to talk to someone, please feel free to do that. And let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, because you've convicted me through this. Yeah, I can have that severe attitude sometimes. And you've convicted me about my inferiority, too. And you've challenged me to just have a gospel self-image where I am humbled and empowered and emboldened so I can just look at others and love them, even if it hurts sometimes, even if it's hard. Because, Lord, there are so many people in this world who need love and who need hope. And we all need it at some point in our lives. So I pray that we'll leave, that this next week, we'll just be inspired and encouraged to look out for others. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. My Dan. Or the obnoxious kid who hides it well. That yeah, would be me. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Silas. Happy, I'm too loud. Too 